So Mike, this is this would be year three of losses in the bond market. That that's not normal, right? It's definitely not normal. If you look at the aggregate bond market, it's actually never happened before, going back almost 50 years. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at IBKRPodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IBKR Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman, along with Andrew Wilkinson. In this podcast, we're going to go over the rise in bond yields and issuance. It's our pleasure to welcome back to the IBKR Podcast studio, Michael Normile, NASDAQ's U.S. economist. Hey, Michael, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Doing well. Thanks for having me back. Hey, Mike. Can you describe to us the path of the 10-year Treasury yield during the Federal Reserve's policy tightening. We're recording today, October the 16th. So tell us, give us a sense of where yields are today as we go into the recording and the path. How are Treasury yields relative to the short-term rate, the Fed funds rate that the Fed sets at its uh, policy meetings? And also, could you address the 10-year break-even inflation rate? Why it's significant and where we stand? There's a lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Like you said, as of today, October 16th, uh, 10-year Treasury yield, it's about 4.7% right now. And that's up from about 4% a year ago. But that's not too far below what the current Fed funds rate is. It's about five. It's in the five and a quarter to five and a half percent range right now, even though the Fed funds rate is a short-term overnight rate, whereas the 10-year rate obviously is a longer-term 10-year rate. And so the 10-year break-even inflation rate that signifies market expectations for average annual inflation over the next 10 years. And that's derived from the difference between the nominal 10-year yield, the 4.7% that I mentioned earlier, and the real 10-year yield, which is also called the TIPS yield. Uh, and so right now, the 10-year break-even inflation rate is hovering around 2.3%. So that means markets expect annual inflation to average about 2.3% over the next 10 years. And uh, Michael, the, the 10-year Treasury yield, it spiked up in September. And there seems to be you know, three main schools of thought on the significance and what it's signaling. The first one being you know, higher for a longer uh, monetary policy, or second one being higher growth expectations, third being higher term premium. Could you explain to our listeners each of those following three schools of thoughts? Starting with higher for longer, that's what the Fed's been pushing for increasingly over Q3. So it's even been going on before September. But by the start of Q3, that's when it was clear that the acute phase of the banking crisis was contained. So that wasn't going to derail the Fed's rate hike cycle. But if you recall back at the end of Q1 and when that was going on, there was some question about whether or not the, the Fed's rate hike cycle would be derailed by the banking crisis. So then over the course of Q3, the economy proved more resilient than many expected, with the labor market and consumer spending both staying strong. So that means the Fed thinks that the economy is so strong that they have to keep rates, quote unquote, higher for longer to bring inflation back to 2%. And this was really hammered home at the September Fed meeting where they revised their rate projections from June. So they're still planning one more rate hike this year. Uh, markets are kind of split on whether or not that will actually happen, but the Fed's still projecting it. But the big change was to next year where they now only plan to cut rates 50 basis points in 2024 to five to five and a quarter percent compared to their June projection for 100 basis points in cuts. And in response, markets revised up their rate projections for the end of 2024, about 90 basis points to 4.8%. And then for the end of 2025, the Fed still sees rates as high as 3.75 to 4%, 
and that's well above their long-run rate projection of 2.5%. So all this means that the Fed projects that rates will be higher for longer, which impacts the longer end of the yield curve, like 10-year yields. So for higher growth expectations, this is really the soft landing story, essentially. And again, that it's something that's been unfolding for a few months. So if markets believe we're going to have a soft landing, we'd have higher economic growth on average than if we had a recession. And in a more robust economy, investors might demand higher rates to tie up their capital since there are hypothetically many good uses for it. And that reflected in real rates, which can be thought of as a proxy for expected uh, economic growth. So you can see this by looking at the components of the 10-year Treasury yield. There's the 10-year break-even inflation rate that we discussed earlier and the real component, the 10-year TIPS yield. And since April, the 10-year yield is up 140 basis points with 130 basis points of that coming from real rates while the inflation expectations have been essentially unchanged. So it's almost all real rates driving up the 10-year rates. Uh, so that's really the kind of expected higher economic growth uh, over the next 10 years. And the third point being the higher term premium. So the term premium is the extra compensation an investor requires to buy longer duration assets. The problem is this can't be observed directly, so we have to use estimates. The New York Fed estimate shows the 10-year term premium has risen 120 basis points since mid-July. And even still, it's only barely positive at this point, but it's really a measure of uncertainty. So the more uncertain you are about future rates or inflation or economic growth, the higher the term premium you'd require. Mike, if you were a betting man, which of the three do you think explains most the spike in yields during September? Uh, well, I think I'm going to have to hedge a bit and say uh, it's really a bit of both. Uh, looking at the timing, you know, it seems that the higher for longer rhetoric and the term premium both ratcheted up more recently. And if we even go a little bit farther back than that, it's really probably all three that are are playing a part here. So, Michael, while the rates are higher, there's also been an increase in Treasury inventory being sold by the government. How is Wall Street reacting to this? Well, so far, Treasury auctions have been have been orderly, so there's not been any you know actual issue with the the auctions. But we've seen you know there's been reports about Wall Street banks being concerned about the amount of Treasuries being sold and the ability to absorb it all. And some of that has to do with reduced demand, like others from from other sources, like the Fed. Now that they're doing quantitative tightening or QT. And then weaker foreign demand. So, you know, Wall Street's concerned about having the ability to absorb that slack. And do you think the government will continue to issue debt at the at the rate it has been recently? It does seem pretty likely, actually. So in Q2, the Treasury borrowed $660 billion. That increased to $1 trillion in Q3. And they're planning on borrowing another $850 billion in Q4. And so part of the reason we saw more borrowing in Q3 and Q4 has to do with the debt ceiling. So when the economy hit the debt limit at the start of the year, the Treasury couldn't issue more debt. So it drew down its general account balance. But once the debt ceiling was suspended, they had to issue more debt than usual to build back up the buffer in the account. But JP Morgan actually estimates that we'll see more issuance next year. And as long as the government keeps running large deficits, they're going to need to issue Treasuries to fund that deficit. So really should uh, expect to see pretty large amounts of issuance as long as there's no real change to our, our budget uh, outlook. What has been the effect of the increased issuance and yields on foreign investors? Well, we've seen a drop off in foreign demand, especially from Japan, which has been the US, US's largest foreign creditor. But this trend is actually, it's been going on for a few years now, and it has to do with interest rates rising around the world, not just in the US. So, you know, in Japan, where rates have been very low for a long time, their rates have started to go up, and that uh, increase in rates for Japanese bonds made them more attractive. 
And the same goes for investors in other countries where domestic rates have increased as well. Plus, foreign investors avoid currency risk when they're investing domestically. So, Mike, this is this will be year three of losses in the bond market. That That's not normal, right? It's definitely not normal. If you look at the aggregate bond market, it's actually never happened before, going back almost 50 years. And with these, you know, these higher rates and more treasuries issued, the, the U.S. government's taking on more and more debt. What, you know, what is the effect of this or what will be the effect of this if this trend continues? Well, the trouble is that higher rates plus more debt equals more interest rate costs. And the Congressional Budget Office projects that net interest as a share of GDP will increase from 2.5% now to 6.7% by 2053. And this is a, another factor some think contributed to the increase in rates lately, since a higher debt burden makes U.S. debt riskier and investors would require a higher yield to offset that risk. So if the economy keeps running a deficit of 5% to 7% a year, which is what the CBO is projecting for the next decade, just imagine how big the deficit would get if we fall into a recession. Uh, so really, it's a question of debt sustainability. So if you take Japan, for example, where their debt to GDP ratio is over 250%, they've had to keep rates ultra low for decades to keep that that debt, debt sustainable. So that's you know certainly a risk for the U.S. too. Mike, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the listeners with on this topic? It'll be interesting to see where where things go from here, especially with the question of whether or not the Fed is done with rate hikes and when we see the first rate cut next year. So we could be entering an interesting transition period in the next few months. What do you think the chances are of printing 5% at the 10 year before the year end? I'm not as, uh, I guess I should say pessimistic uh, about that. But yeah, I, I think there's, of course, a chance I might not have guessed it getting as high as almost 4.9% uh, a week or two ago. So uh there's definitely definitely a chance. We'll see. But uh, I, would, I would say maybe on the lower end of the scale. Uh, this was great, Michael. Thank you. Um, you know, once again, we want to thank Michael Normal from NASDAQ for joining us at IPKR Podcast. For more from Michael and NASDAQ, please go to our website under education to view previous NASDAQ webinars, as well as our previous podcasts. Also want to remind everyone that you can find all our podcasts on our website under education. Scroll down to IPKR Podcasts or on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Audible. Thank you for listening. Until next time, we're Andrew Wilkinson and Jeff Praisman with Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice.